morning I want to talk to you a little bit about salt and light. Um, both are very important. Start out, I guess, with a little story about light. Light, light is really important. It's hard to do things when you, when you can't see. When I think about the importance of, uh, of light, I think back to uh, when I was not real old and I'd be helping my dad work on something. And usually, uh, we, we worked on our own stuff, and usually it was uh, pretty cold and damp outside, it seemed like, when we were working. And, and it was always things happened at night, you know, so it's just... Uh, and then, you know, everything wasn't open all hour, so you, you actually had to get it going so you'd go to work or school the next day. And I'll never forget my dad laying on the ground, and I was holding the light for him. It's an important job. And he kept reminding me that he needed me to hold the light on the bolt that he was trying to get to. So he'd ask me a question. Of course, I'd shine the light back to him. He says, I can't see myself. You can take the light off me, put it on the bolt. He said it a little bit, uh, a little bit more direct than that. But I got his message. But when we're trying to do something, light is just so important. And this morning, again, I want to talk about salt and light and may tell you another story or two, probably. But um, I want to read Scripture first. I'm going to read from Matthew 5, and I'm going to read verses 13 through 16. And it reads, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can, it be, how can its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No other lighting, no one ever, after lighting a lamp puts it under a bushel basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, awaken us this morning to the glory of your presence in our midst. Shine among us in such a way that the darkness without and within may be pushed back, so we might truly see your awesome power. Help us to recognize our sin for what it is. Help us to show grace and as you have shown us, enable us to behold the world as you created it to be. Empower us to move from darkness to light. It's in our Savior, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Following uh, in the light. I brought a little light here. Just uh, not much light there, is there? You can barely see that it's even lit up. Uh, but if it was dark in here, man, that would be... A saving grace. Light. I'm going to talk about some of its um, properties here in just a moment. But I'll tell you, if you ever get a chance at night, if you want a blessing, come over here and turn the lights on the sanctuary. And then go drive on the new highway right behind Bush and look over here. you talking about something that's just glowing. These, uh, these stained glass windows look gold. Seriously, do yourself a and do that one day. It, it, it is an awesome experience. Um, again, this morning we'll talk to you about salt and light. And, and we're, we're actually reading, we just read from what's called the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount. 
It's kind of, uh, it's Jesus' longest recorded sermon, and it was early in his ministry. And one day, Jesus was traveling near the Sea of Galilee, and he decided to speak to his disciples and what it means to follow him. So he went up on a mountaintop and gathered his disciples around him. The rest of the crowd, crowd found places along the side of the hill so they could hear what Jesus was teaching. Wow. The Sermon on the Mount. Do you remember back a few years ago, and some people still wear them, but the WWJD bracelets, what would Jesus do? This Sermon on the Mount, to me, is Jesus' instruction book to us. If you ever want to know what Jesus would do in any situation, read the first, or, uh, chapters 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew, and you'll get a really great idea of what he would do and what he's still doing. Again, I like to look at the Sermon on the Mount as an instruction book straight from Jesus on what he would do. But the first thing I want to do before we look at what it says, I want to look at what it doesn't say. I want to look at what these words don't say, what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say, you can be, or you should be, or you ought to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. In verse 13, Jesus clearly says, you are. You are the salt of the earth. In verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. Again, it's not a choice. When we become Christians, we are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. People see us as Christians by the light that we reflect. And we're going to talk about that more in just a second. But what I really like to do with Scripture is I like to replace, I like to replace you with my name. And I'm going to do that. I'm going to read it to you with my name. But don't imagine my name as I read this. Imagine your name. And when you do that, it says this right here. It says, Stacy is the salt of the earth. But if he loses his saltiness, how can he be made salty again? I'm no longer good for anything except to be thrown and trampled underfoot. Stacy is the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, I will let my light shine before others, that they may see my good deeds and glorify my Father in heaven. That kind of personalizes things right there, doesn't it? That's what the scripture means. It's written for us right now. But let's look at what it, said, what it means to be the salt of the earth. We all know what salt is. We probably use too much of it, according to the doctor. But what is salt? I can tell you chemically, it's formed by a chemical reaction combining an unstable metal, sodium, and a very reactive and dangerous yellowish-green gas that's chlorine. Alone, each component of is very harmful. But combined, they make up one of Earth's most abundant mineral, minerals, and we can't live without it. You see, I don't think Jesus was giving us a chemistry lesson there, though. And I'm not here to give you a chemistry lesson either. But Jesus is comparing our purpose to the purposes of salt. So what are some of the purposes of salt? It's a preservative. Salt is a preservative. In the days before freezers and refrigerators, salt was the main means of preserve, preserving perishable foods. Food would get heavily salted. Meats would get heavily salted 
to keep them from spoiling. One of the biggest staples in the diet of the people of this time was fish. And fish would have to be brought in from the coast, and in order for it not to spoil, they would have to salt it before it got there. They would have to keep it in salt so it wouldn't spoil. In order to preserve it and keep it from rotting and decaying, it would be, it would be salted. Again, I don't think Jesus is even speaking directly about keeping fish from stinking. What I really think he's speaking about is, um, is as Christians, we should be preservatives too. As Christians, we should act as preservatives. There's some rotten things in this world. There's some things that if, if you don't give them attention can be devastating. We're to preserve the goodness in everything that we see, everything we encounter. That's what we're supposed to preserve. We're supposed to preserve Christ's goodness. The other, another purpose of salt is seasoning. Seasoning. Salt brings flavor. Again, if you eat salt by itself, it's not very good, but when you put it on your french fries, it tastes pretty good. When you put it, some people put it on watermelon. Do you put it on watermelon? Watermelon, salt on watermelon. I, I can do it either way. I can, I can do it either way. Um, but salt acts as a seasoning. You see, I like eggs if they're salted. If they're not, they taste bland to me. So this seasoning that is provided through salt is very important. So the second purpose of salt is to bring flavor. Another purpose of salt is purity. Purity. See, the Romans saw salt as a symbol of purity in that it came from two pure seawater and sun. So it came from two pure things. So the Romans saw it as being pure. pure. Today it seems kind of Ironic that Jesus is talking about salt losing its saltiness. But back in his day, it was not uncommon for, um, for salt to lose its saltiness. Again, it would get wet, it would get trampled on things, and it would lose its saltiness. Once it lost its saltiness, if it couldn't purify things, if it couldn't season things, if it couldn't uh, preserve things, it was no good. You might as well throw it out. And that's what he's talking about here. So in, if we look at us as being the salt of the earth, we need to... to we need to be flavoring. We need to be preservatives. We need to do these things, and we need to be pure in order to represent Jesus Christ. If we're in the room, things should be better because we're there. Things should not be bland anymore. When we bring Christ into the room, we should bring flavor to it. If someone's in despair, if someone's really having a hard time, we should be able to, to preserve them. When we bring them Jesus Christ, it keeps them from going further into despair, and it may even save them. Those are some of the things about salt. Some of the things about salt that are so important. And I want to ask you, are we being a preservative? Are we bringing seasoning? And are we maintaining our purity? Again, those are the things about salt that Jesus is speaking of. Now let's look at light. 
let's look at light, man. It's got some pretty cool chemical properties, too. It's got some pretty cool physical properties. And in order for me to deliver them these cool properties to you, I had to ask somebody smarter than me. So I did. It's not hard to find. But I, I went to a lady named Morgan Morris, who's a chemist and a Christian educator. She's also one of my co-workers. And she wrote an article a couple years ago about the properties of life and how it relates to our walk with Christ. And these are her words, not mine, I promise you. She says, light is everywhere. It's the first thing God made during the six days of creation. And it's the primary source of energy and life for the universe and our earth. We're also taught that God is light. He could, knowing, how could knowing about the physical scientific characteristics of light help us developing a relationship with the Creator? You see, everything you see is a result of light. Even if you're in a room with the lights off, it's likely you'll see light from street light outside and alarm clock or a crack under the door. Light is reflecting Even if our vision is lacking, the warmth we feel and the flowers we smell are all in existence because of light. Light has unique properties that make it so present. Light is uniquely made up of both electronic and magnetic energy waves. These two sets of waves are intertwined together with one another. They depend on each other. Because of their interdependence, the electromagnetic energy that is light is very independent. Again, I didn't write that. That's pretty deep right there. Now, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said that darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. In my simple understanding of light, when I think of light, I think about how fast it is. We know light is the fastest thing in the universe. But I still don't think that's all the things Jesus was talking about in that scripture. I think he was talking about more of the practical uses of light. The first use of light I want to mention is reflection. Reflection is very, 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 very important. Who saw the moon? I didn't look at it last night, not before last. Anybody see the moon? Man, I sit and stared at it for a bit. It was big, it was bright, it was beautiful. And it was reflecting a lot of light. And I started thinking, and I did this a few or a year or so ago too, but I started thinking about, you know, light. The moon does not produce any light. And if you really looked at the moon, it's not all that pretty. It's kind of like if I shaved my head, it'd be full of craters and, and stuff. It's, it's not a very pretty thing. I've got witnesses. I don't have a pretty head. I've got pretty decent hair to make up for it, I guess. But if I shave my head, you're going to see these big craters back here, and it's flat. And the moon is the same way. It's not pretty in itself. But when it's reflecting the light of the sun, it's one of the most magnificent, thing, magnificent things we can ever see. We're the same way. The only way we can be that magnificent is by reflecting the light of our Lord and Savior. We can't do it on our own. We don't produce any light on our own. Reflection. Again, we don't make our own light. 
We reflect Jesus Christ's light. That's why we don't have an option of being the light of the world. We already are the light of the world. Jesus, Jesus shines on us, and our job is to reflect. Our job is to make Jesus known through our lives by what we do, by what we say, the way we treat others. To call ourselves Christians or followers of Christ, we have to reflect his light. The only question is, what kind of reflection are we? When we project ourselves as Christians, what kind of light are we shining? Are we truly reflecting the light, or the love that comes only from a relationship with Jesus Christ? Or are we being selfish and, and, and reflecting what we want to reflect? Again, the only way that we can be effective as Christians is to reflect His light. Again, if we depend on our own light, we don't produce any, so we can't do very many magnificent things. But when we depend on the light of Jesus Christ, we can brighten up the whole sky. Another, another um, aspect of light or a characteristic of light is illumination. The main purpose of light probably is to give light. Sounds redundant, but in Jesus' day, again, there was no electricity, of course, and many rooms, uh, many houses were one room, they had some windows, and they would put a lamp in the middle of the room so it would light the whole house up. They wouldn't cover it up. They wanted it to shine all over the room because it's the only light they had. So illumining, man, we're called to do that too. But the light that we're supposed to illumine with only comes from Jesus Christ. Again, our lamp, the lamp, the light that we give off for guidance comes from Jesus Christ, and we need to set it in the middle of our world where everybody we come in contact with can see, again, the light of Jesus Christ. Another characteristic of light is for guidance. It's for guidance. Since the beginning of time, man's used light to guide their paths. Psalm 119.105 says, For your word is the lamp for my path. In other words, the Bible illuminates our walk, so the Bible's light. Jesus is light. So we should be walking by what the Bible says. You see, the world looks for us to us for guidance, whether we know it or not. Again, when we call ourselves Christians, people are looking at us. The guidance we need to be delivering needs to be coming from a loving relationship with Jesus Christ. Again, the Bible is truth. The Bible is so important, but if we're not living out what the Bible says, if we're not following the instructions of how to love and how to shine Jesus' light, it will just lay here. We've got to carry the Bible to people. We've got to carry the love. We've got to, we've got to show guidance through the Bible and through our love who Jesus is. Again, we can't do it on our own. We don't produce any light. But it's imperative that we shine in the right direction. And when we shine in the right direction, that means that we shine in the air of love in everything we do. We show people grace just like Christ has shown us, whether we agree with them or not. 
Sometimes that's hard to do. But when we're depending on that light and we're using that for our guidance, that love is what we see. That's what we're doing. You see, we are salt and we are light. We're called to preserve, to season, our purity while reflecting the light of Jesus. And by doing that, we can illumine our world. Not because, of, again, of anything that we have done or anything that we're doing, but solely because we know that that comes from the love and grace of Jesus Christ. Again, I want to ask some questions. Where are you? Where am I? Are we salty? It's not a good term anymore. It means something. If you're salty, I think you're in a bad mood now. Is that the young slang now? Is that okay, so I won't say that. Uh, are you, yeah, I don't know how to change it, but and this purpose, being salty means good, okay? Are you salty? Are you adding spice? Are you adding flavor? When you go into your classroom or you go to work, is it a better place because you're there? That's what it means in this instance to be salty. And are you illumining your world? When you walk into the room, wherever you go, are you bringing the love and grace of Jesus Christ? Is it brighter because you're there? Are we ready to add seasoning and make things better? The big picture, the big question I want to ask you right now before I close. Can people see Christ's light shining through you? Can people see Christ's light shining through you? We make difficult decisions every day, don't we? In life, it may be at work, it may be at school, it may be handling a relationship, it could be many, many things. And sometimes we think, hey, what would Jesus do? If Jesus were right here in this room today, which he is, I know, but if he was making this decision on my behalf, how would he guide me? And I'm telling you, if you're trying to make decisions, read chapters 5 through 7 of Matthew. It'll tell you how to treat people. It'll tell you how to love people. It'll tell you how to shine your light. Or it'll tell you how to reflect his light, because if you're shining your light, you're going to be in trouble because you don't have any. But it'll tell you how to reflect Reflect. Again, I look at that, those chapters of Matthew as being an instruction book. I look at the whole Bible as an instruction book, but if you really truly want to know, hey, what would Jesus do? How would he handle this? As you pray about certain things you may be going through, do yourself a favor, read those scriptures as well. Again, if you're here this morning, and you don't have that loving relationship with Jesus Christ. And what I have said doesn't really make sense to you. I'd love to, to, to pray with you and offer you that first step to a relationship with Jesus, which that first step is accepting him as your Lord and Savior. If you're here, if you're listening online, again, his grace is available to everybody. Again, if I can see you or you can hear my voice, or you're somewhere I can't see you, Jesus died for you. Again, I like to look at the Christian walk, though, as a journey. And if we've been on it for a while and we can't see that light of Christ, 
I pray that you look to each other for guidance. You look to each other for the reflection of Jesus Christ. And again, we study our Bibles and we grow every day to become more like him. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for, for the scripture, Lord. Thank you for this message. Lord, I just pray for each person that uh, has a relationship with you, Lord, that they are living their life every day to be the salt and the light of the world, Lord. And I pray that sometimes when we do get selfish, Lord, and we start trying to shine our own light, that we remember that the only good in us, the only good that we can reflect is the good that comes from you. Lord, I pray for any person who may be hearing this message, Lord, that does not have a relationship with you, Lord, that they submit to that loving, caring relationship and that and salvation that's only available through that relationship with you. Lord, again, just thank you so much for this, uh, this wonderful church, this community. In Jesus' name, amen.